Welcome to the Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly podcast. Please listen as Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, teaches from God's Word. All HBC podcasts can be found on Spotify or Facebook under Hillside Baptist Chapel. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood.com. 002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see each of you here. And uh, uh, we may have some others coming in as we get started today. But we're very thankful that you're able to be here with us. And uh, If you would, find a seat and join in with us as we will start our song service in just a moment. I have some announcements, and uh, one of them is pretty important. We have some people that have volunteered to help clean the church, and uh, so uh, we need some help with doing that. And so if any of you are interested in helping us clean things up once a week, we have to do uh, sweeping and uh, other small things for one week. And then the second week, we have to do what they call a deep cleaning. And that simply means that we mop the floors and do some things like that. So anyway, we can tell you all about that if you're interested. And uh, if you hear it, and uh, you say, oh, I, I can't do that. I'm not interested in doing that. That's okay. But we'll have a meeting immediately after our services this morning. So if you've, uh, you're interested in doing that, just stay a few minutes and we'll have a short meeting on cleaning the church, what it involves, and uh, find out if we've got anyone else that's interested in helping us do that. Uh, I'm going to ask Bob if Warford, if he would come this morning and lead us in our opening prayer. And uh, again, we're certainly glad that you're here and uh, thankful that you're able to be with us today. And uh, uh, join with us in all of our services this morning. Thank you, Father God, for allowing us all to be here today, Father God. In this time of turmoil all over the world, this is a place where you can get away from it, Father, where we hear your word and get encouraged by it and find a way through this thing, whatever, uh, whatever that may be, Father, we're listening to you and we want to get all of our direction from you, Father God, so we pray that the words today fall on our ears and change our hearts and change our person, Father, and make us better and make people want to be like us. We pray this all in the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. And um, our song, first song this morning is, Lord, I lift your name on high. If you'd like to, we can stand while we sing.
Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to call on Frank, if he would, to come and give us our prayer updates right now. And uh, so, Frank. Good morning, everyone. Is anybody here not getting our prayer request? I email it out. I don't know if I have everybody's information or not. It usually happens on a Sunday night or a Monday. It comes with a podcast. So if you're interested, if you're not getting it, uh, let me know after the service and I can put your name down. I got an uh, email from uh, Keith Wolford. He said, thank you for your prayers. Um, you know, he's, he's in bad shape, so continue praying for him. Um, he's been on my heart for all week, actually, and um, Wanda's knee seems to be getting better. She got uh, another doctor, second opinion. Hopefully, hopefully, it'll come out of it and she'll be good. Amen. Freddie's knee is now hurting him, so <laughs> it's a knee ep epidemic, I think. But uh, hopefully, Freddie, it's no big deal, and hopefully, he'll he'll be all right. And that's basically all I have. Thank you. Okay, Bob, if you would come and. Uh this Bob, <laughs> and uh, lead us uh, in our off-door prayer, and uh, uh, think of these that are on our prayer list this morning as well. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could come today, your day, to worship in the church. We ask that you be with this church, be with each and every one of us. Help us to follow you. Uh, your will in our lives. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. During this next song, we'll uh, let you, let you. If you want to give an offering, it's back there at the back, and you can feel free to go back there and do that. I noticed some were putting their offerings in as they came in. You can put your offerings in as you go out. You don't have to get up during that song that I mentioned our offering, but... Uh, uh, just to call attention to it and let you know that uh, uh, about the offering. And uh, so if any of you have any offerings this morning, as we sing this next song, feel free to get up, walk back to the back, and uh, put it in the box that's back there. All right. Uh, our next song is going to be Seek Ye First, the Kingdom of God, and then immediately following that, Victory in Jesus. If you'd like to stand, you may do so. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you.
glory, how a Savior came from glory, how He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about His groaning of His precious blood's atoning, then I repented of my sins and won the My Savior forever He sought me and bought me With His redeeming blood He loved me ere I knew Him And all my love is to Him He plunged me to victory Beneath the cleansing flood There's food, there's sport, there's celebrity, there's riches, there's anything goes. It's, it's got that feel about it. And so hopefully you can begin to get the picture that there are lots of parallels with our society, with the UK, with the West, and with Medway, with what we live in. We're used to that, and the Corinthians would be very familiar with that too. That's why this letter has so much relevance to us because that is the context into which Paul is writing. So if you understand that, then you get a glimpse at why certain things are going on in the church, because that's the baggage that they're carrying with them. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you'd like to turn there with me. We're going to be reading the first five verses. As you saw from that little video, we're going to be covering several different things in the book of 1 Corinthians. But, today we're going to be looking at something that I think is very important for us to remember as we study this. As we look at this book, 
And that is the theme that the Apostle Paul has in preaching or teaching this particular message. You see, as all of these things, everything that we're going to be covering is covered under the power of God. It takes God's power for us to step beyond the things that keep us from being the individual that God wants us to be. Let's listen to what he has to say. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony from God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling, not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. God's power. Notice those first few words. In fact, I want to read from the New Literal Translation, a paraphrase, to look at those first few words for just a second. He says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, when I came to you, dear brothers and sisters. I think the Apostle Paul had learned the value of others. Now, it took him a while to do that. In fact, I'd like for us to go back for just a minute and look at who this individual is that's writing this letter. And so, as we go back in his life, we go back to Tarsus and one morning the announcement is made a boy child is born. 9.6 ounces or whatever and his name shall be Saul. No, let's not go back that far. <laughs> let's go back to his conversion. How's that? In Acts chapter 6 it tells us about the Apostle Paul coming to know the Lord, a very dramatic time in his life as he met the Lord for the very first time. As he, I think, had been under conviction for a period of time. The Bible tells us there in that chapter that the, apostle, the individual we know of then as Saul had been persecuting the churches. In fact, we know of part of that persecution. We know one of the things that he did was stand at the stoning of Stephen and collect the garments from those that were doing the execution. And this tells us that Saul was the individual leading and was responsible for Stephen's death. And I think this particular incident, more than any other, weighed on Saul's mind. He probably had nightmares about it. He probably dreamed about Stephen being stoned and him saying... The heavens are open, and I see the Son of God standing on the right hand. And this tells us two different things. First of all is that Jesus Christ was God. Now Saul didn't believe that. He didn't accept that. And this individual who was being stoned, who was about to die, was saying he saw him standing at the right hand of God. And he was standing, not seated, meant that he had risen to accept an honored guest. You see, in that day and time, as a king or 
someone in charge would rise, would stand. This was a, a signification that they were honoring that person that was coming into their presence. One of the things the Lord said to Saul here on that occasion as he saw that light from heaven on the road to Damascus and in the King James Version it says it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You remember reading that? Now I'm not going to try to explain all of that to you today. It, it, it's an agricultural term for someone who is using an ox or another animal to plow their crops. But it simply is telling us that he was being bothered. He was under conviction because of the things that he had been doing. And God was bothering him. God was convicting him. God was trying to show him, even before he was on the road to Damascus, that there was something needed in his life. And so, as that bright light shone around him, he fell to his knees. And the others there that were with Saul heard a noise. They saw the light and they heard a noise. But they didn't hear words. Only Saul heard the words. And he asked Saul if He knew who he was, in essence. And in essence, the uh, individual said, Saul said, No, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, when was this individual saved? Was he saved then, immediately, as he heard that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Or did he have to think about it for a while? He went on to Damascus. He was blind after he got up. And as he went on to Damascus, he had to be led by the others that were with him. And he spent three days there before Ananias, whom God had to convince to come to see Saul, because he was afraid of him. He knew he had been persecuting the Christians in Jerusalem. And so he was three days in Damascus prior to him seeing, prior to his eyesight coming back. It may have been during that period of time in blindness that he accepted Christ. Or it could have been after Ananias came to him and talked with him. But regardless of when it was during that period of time, at one point or another, he called on the Lord and asked Him to be His Savior. We know that from the words the Apostle Paul writes in the letters that he gives to the churches. And this individual we know of as the Apostle Paul is the same individual we call Saul there on the road to Damascus. Now, let's think about him for just a moment as he went through that experience. I think that he would say that he was having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. You think so? I went to sleep with gum in my mouth last night. And I awoke and I had gum in my hair. As I got up out of bed, I tripped over the skateboard by mistake. I dropped my sweater in the sink that had running water in it. 
I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. So begins the classic children's book by Judith Vrost. And you thought I was talking about myself. When did you get the idea that I wasn't talking about me? When I got gum in my hair, probably, right? <laughs> this individual wasn't having a good day. But you know, there were many days then, even after that, when this individual we know of as the Apostle Paul would tell you he wasn't having a good day. He was stoned, left for dead. On other occasions, he was beaten. He had to escape persecution on several different occasions. When he was there in Damascus, that's where he was headed. That's where he stayed for a while. We don't know how long he was there. And when he left, he left because people were going to kill him. They were going to be outside the city gate and when he went out that gate they were going to jump on him and kill him. He heard about that and the other disciples there in Damascus heard about that so they let him down over the gate, uh, over the city wall. He didn't go through the gate. There was a period of time that he spent in Arabia, three years in fact. He tells us about it may have been in that period of time of his life right after he was saved but anyway that's something we can talk about at another time but as we come to the letter that he's writing today in first Corinthians we can know that he has been through many obstacles to get him to that point to get him to that place in his life As he left Damascus, he went to Jerusalem. And he went there with the idea of helping the Christians that were there. Now again, you remember Ananias didn't want anything to do with him when he first came to Damascus. Well, the disciples didn't want anything to do with him when he came to Jerusalem. They were afraid of him. Of course, it had been in Jerusalem that they had experienced his persecution. Now this is sometime later. We don't know how many months or maybe even years later that he came back to Jerusalem. If it was after his Arabian experience. But regardless, he came back to Jerusalem. And Barnabas stepped up and supported him. Told the other disciples that he had had an experience on the road to Damascus and, and that he had trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. He could be trusted. He was an individual that they needed to have with them. And so as they accept him, he begins to preach there in Jerusalem as he had done in Damascus. There were individuals that didn't like Saul as he preached in Jerusalem. And so the Hellenistic Jews conspired to kill him in Jerusalem. Well, the disciples decide that they need to send him on to Tarshish. Back to his hometown. And the Bible doesn't tell us anything about his life there. It was a few years that he spent in Tarshish. I mean, uh, in, uh, yeah, Tarshish, his hometown. But I can tell you this, it's not easy to be a pastor in your hometown. I had that experience. The first church that I pastored. I was still in school, and 
Mount Calvary Baptist Church called me as their pastor in Pleasant Plains, Arkansas. Now, I'm sure all of you have heard of Pleasant Plains. You know right where that is. <laughs> Small town. But anyway, as I went there to pastor, I had many of the congregation come and talk to me about my dad, about my brothers, about me, knowing me all of my life and knowing my background. And I don't think I ever was their pastor. They probably didn't learn a whole lot from me. But you know what? I learned a lot from being there and trying to pastor. It was a great experience for me. And I was able to take that experience with me as I went on in life. Maybe that's the way it was with Saul as he went back to his hometown. But then later he was called again by Barnabas to help in Antioch. And this is where we really become acquainted with this individual we know of as the Apostle Paul. And he begins his missionary journeys from that church. But the thing that I want us to see is that during this formative period of time, Paul learned to value other people. He learned that he needed other people. He learned he had to rely upon other people. And we see this then in his writings from that day forth. He needed people. Now people needed him as well, but he needed people. And as we do God's work, that's something that we need to understand as well. We need other people. We need their help. We need them to stand by us. We need them to encourage us. We need them to tell us that they're behind us, that they're helping us, and that they want to do God's work with us. Now, let's go back to the second chapter of 1 Corinthians and notice what he says in verse 2. He says, I resolve to know nothing, I resolve to know nothing, while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see, the Apostle Paul had made up his mind that this was his ministry. This was what God had called him to do. This is what he needed to accomplish in his life, was to tell other people about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you heard the Apostle Paul in Jerusalem after his conversion, you would have heard him talk about Jesus Christ and him crucified. In Tarsus, while he was waiting, that would have been the message that he gave there. In Thessalonica, in Athens, in Rome, Wherever he went, wherever he spoke, he was talking about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Someone asked the great British preacher and pastor Charles Spurgeon one time, and many people uh, believe that he may have been the greatest preacher since the Apostle Paul. I don't know about that. But they ask him, why are all of your sermons alike? They all sound alike. Spurgeon said, that's simple. I take my text wherever I can find it. 
but I make a beeline to the cross. You see, his preaching was the same as the Apostle Paul's. He preached Christ. In our text here today, we discover a pastor's life works. What we're to do. If one could come to the end of his ministry and someone would say, he spoke to us only of Jesus Christ and him crucified, his ministry would have been a success. Dr. W.A. Criswell, the famed pastor from Dallas, Texas of a few years ago, pointed out that if people wanted to know about sports or the latest news, they could read a newspaper or turn on the TV. These days you can watch Fox or CNN or MSNBC or some other such news agency and find out what's going on. They've got the latest on the coronavirus, haven't they? I guess. We've got over 500 channels, right, that you could watch. There's radio as well. But Chriswell went on to say, there's plenty of ways to follow a story. If you want to update on sports, you can do the same thing. But he said, if you want to know how to go to heaven, then you need the message the Apostle Paul preached, Chris will said, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, I've celebrated more than 55 years in the ministry. Now, that in itself is hardly earth-shaking. But it feels like that I've reached an important milestone. When I was young in the ministry, I mentioned the first church I tried to pastor. Fifty-five years seemed like a long time. I'm sure if I had thought about being in the ministry for 55 years, if I even thought I might have reached that time, it would have been a long time off, I would have thought. But you know something? Sandy, today, 55 years doesn't sound like all that long. Does it to you? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. If God wills, I may live another 20 years or so. I don't know. Or it might be only a, another 20 minutes, right? We, we really don't know. One thing I do know, I'll never be young again. I'll never be that young preacher that started out in the ministry, will I? But I'm definitely closer to my finish line than when I started. Most of us are. Now there's one or two in here that are not. Courtney, <laughs> you're not. Oh, oh, you too. Oh, Will and, and uh, his wife. Well, anyway. <laughs> but I find myself in a stage of life when I'm trying to get rid of things. Have you ever come there? Have you ever been there? When we got ready for this move to Panama, we got rid of almost everything. I'll let you talk to Wanda about that. She can tell you. But I'm at a point in my life when, when I don't need to accumulate you know, I, I was in a stage for many, many years when I was gathering, you know, when I was 
accumulating things. And I amassed a lot of things I didn't even need. And a lot of things that I got rid of, they were baggage. I didn't need to have them. But we experienced the greatest of this as we see the importance of doing what's most important. You see where I'm coming from? And so the Apostle Paul could talk about many different things, but the most important thing he had to talk about was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what he was trying to do. Even as he wrote this particular letter to the church at Corinth. Now I've seen a lot of fads in my time, and you have too. But in the ministry, I can think back on things that took place. I've lived through the bus ministry, small group ministry, body life, Bill Gothard seminars, sharing teams, concerts, prayer and fasting, seeking sensitive churches. Experiencing God, the prayer of Jabez, the purpose-driven church and the purpose-driven life and the 40 years of purpose, uh, 40 days of purpose, excuse me. Not to mention the emerging church movement, the Gen X worship, and preaching to the postmodern culture. Now those are all things, if you're a preacher, you've seen. There's seminars that we go to that we learn about these things and how to implement them in our churches. And you can find some valuable truths in all of these different things that I've mentioned here. I'm, I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying I've gone through these experiences. But sooner or later, all of these movements are destined to be forgotten regardless of how good they may have been. There'll be one more addition to the stack of dusty seminar notebooks that used to line my shelves. They're not there anymore. I got rid of them. But I hope I haven't gotten rid of all the knowledge and the information that many of these things supplied to me in my ministry. Like I said, there were some good things there. But the Apostle Paul labored as he did so that your faith, he said, might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. In verse 5. All that comes from man. Again, many of these things may be good and instrumental in helping. But all of these things must perish with man. What comes from God lasts forever. In the passage that we read a moment ago we see the Apostle Paul's method his message his motive if we want a church with world impact world changing ability we need to hear what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Now let us notice the message again for just a moment. He said, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except 
Jesus Christ and him crucified. He begins not with a positive. Did you notice that? But he began with a negative. I did not come. Now, let's think about this individual for just a moment. Call Saul at the beginning of our story today. We know as the Apostle Paul. But he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. One of the most learned individuals of that day and time. A great teacher. He had earned his doctorate of law under Gamaliel. And I think during the period of time when he was persecuting the churches, he was very proud of himself. He was very full of himself, if you want to use a term that we might use today. And he thought he was something great. But you know what? That changed, didn't it? And I think I know when it changed. I think I know the very moment that it changed. And it was when he was on the road to Damascus, struck down by that light. And he didn't think of himself as eloquent. He didn't think of himself as having superior wisdom. He didn't think that described him anymore. Some of the early Christian preachers felt the need to emulate that particular thing in their ministry. And the Apostle Paul didn't praise them for it. They thought that these things made them brilliant, made them witty, made them charming, made them entertaining. Have you ever seen pastors today that fell into that groove, that category? Paul utterly rejected that approach. Although he could have done it. He could have been that kind of individual, couldn't he? There have always been preachers who felt that they needed to copy other preachers and, and the way they preached, the words they used and how they inflected those words. And you, you know, you could, you could see that in their ministries. But notice the phrase, I resolve. He made a conscious choice to do things a certain way. He preached as he did because he chose to do it that way. He resolved to do it the way that he did it. When people heard the Apostle Paul preach, they didn't go away and say, oh, what a wonderful preacher that was. In fact, he tells us he wasn't a wonderful preacher. But I tell you, they were able to go away from that meeting and they were able to say, what a wonderful Savior we have. What a wonderful God that would send His Son to die on the cross that we might have salvation. I resolve, he said. Here are three words to summarize the Apostle Paul's preaching. Clarity, simplicity, and boldness. May the Lord grant us that kind of message in our day and time. He didn't want people to miss the message. I've sat under some preaching where the individuals used words that you'd have to have a dictionary there in your lap to look it up to know what they're saying. Have you been there? That's not what God wants from us, I don't believe. And he was simple. He spoke plainly about Jesus' death, 
burial, and resurrection. In almost every city in Canada, the U.S., and Panama, there are numerous service clubs, and they're good. They're great. Some of your members are some and, and, and are very active, and, and it's wonderful. But you know what? These are not the places you go to find the message about Christ. Am I right? Now, now some of you may be in those clubs and you may be presenting Jesus Christ. And that's great. You may be there to, to think, well, now how can I help this veteran? How can I help this neighbor? How can I help this individual that's having problems? And so it may be food, it may be clothing, it may be medical needs. It, you know, you could name a many of other things. But one of the things that may come into your mind is that they need Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And you may be there to help them understand that as well. But that's not the purpose of that service club, is it? That's not what it exists to do. It's there to provide services. Why does the church exist? Now some people think that the church is here just to feed people food or provide clothing or to help them with their electric bill or you know you can name a thousand other things now don't get me wrong I'm not I'm not opposed to our church helping individuals when they have some of those needs but unlike the service organizations that's not why we're here am I understanding the word of God correctly that's not why we exist. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell us. And then let us notice for just a moment his method. He said, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Whoa, that doesn't sound like a pastor that you'd probably drive very far to hear, right? I came to you with weakness, fear, and much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration, with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. His evangelistic plan is called fear and trembling. You don't see very many seminars that are given today to have a fear and trembling ministry. <laughs> but that's what he talked about, isn't it? And I believe that's what's needed. Now, let me talk about that for just a moment. Occasionally, somebody will ask me, am I scared? Am I nervous before I preach? I think no matter how long I'm in the ministry, how many times I get up and, and I address a congregation, I have a sense of nervousness that comes just before I get up to speak. And you know something? I hope I never lose that. I really believe I need to see my dependence on the Lord. That it's not with eloquent words. It's not with, with a demonstration of who I am or, or how great I have achieved. It's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And I think that if, if God can use me, people are going to have to say it was the Holy Spirit that did it. And not Steve Wood. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 10. The Apostle Paul. Quoted his opponents. Who said of him. His letters are weighty and forceful. 
But in person, he is unimpressive. And his speaking amounts to nothing. Did you hear what his enemies were saying about him? So if you feel a a little bit afraid as you go to talk to somebody about the Lord and you want to testify to them or you want to tell them about how they can be saved, don't feel bad. You need to feel inadequate. And you need to feel your dependence on God as you deliver His message. And then lastly, His motive. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Did you hear what he said? That your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. The striking contrast we are able to see here between the power of God and humans between the spirit of God and the one we call the Apostle Paul now sometimes Christians are kind of starstruck just like the world is sometimes but our stars are not Hollywood's favorites but they're individuals like Tony Evans, Charles Stanley, David Jeremiah, Tony, uh, uh, John MacArthur, Chuck Swindoll. These are names you all know, probably. And I love these preachers, and I read after them. But we need something deeper than those individuals. You need somebody deeper than your pastor. We need to be following the Lord. We need to be following Jesus Christ. And build your life on Him. And then you can take the good that you're able to find in in ministries that are out there and use them in your Christian life. The Greeks, during the Apostle Paul's time, were saying, show us wisdom. They wanted to see wisdom. The Apostle Paul said, I will show you Jesus, God's wisdom. Where sin is the problem, the cross is the answer. God's only answer. Only the gospel itself meets the deep needs of the human heart. When you construct a building, do you start with the third floor? That's what we have here. We have floor one, floor two, floor three. Do we start with the third floor? Huh? If you're in construction at all, you know that you can't do that, can you? Well, you might say, oh, we can put up some two of fours and we can set that third floor on. <laughs> that, don't, that don't work very well, does it? Where do you start? You start with the foundation. You start at the basics. And that's what we have to do as we preach Christ. Billy Graham tells us the story of a police officer one night on duty in the city of North, Northern England. And as he was walking the streets, he found a little boy. He heard a little boy first. And he looked around and he saw him sitting on some steps, crying. And he came over to him and he asked him what his problem was. And he said, I'm lost. I want you to take me home. And the police officer said, where do you live? Well, the little boy 
couldn't think of anything to tell him. The policeman began to name off several streets, different streets, different places in town. None of it made any sense to him. He named shops, he named hotels. And then he remembered that in the center of town, there was a church that had a large white cross upon the top of it. And he told that little boy about that cross on that church. Oh yeah, I know where that is. You get me to that church, I can get home. Doesn't that ring true for us as we preach the Word of God? You show me the cross, that individual can find their way home. Let's sing our last song. And it may be today that there are those that need to make some decision, some something that God's laying on your heart. It may be that you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I'd like to show you from God's Word. I'd like to, I don't ask you to take my word for it, but I do ask you to take God at His Word. And I'd like to show you the Bible and what it says about your sins and how those sins can be forgiven. Maybe you're already a child of God. You need to join with us in the work that we're doing here. I don't know what your decision might be, but if there's a decision that's needed, would you come this morning as we sing this final song? Make your way to the front, please, and I'm going to ask him to lead us in our closing prayer. But before he does, let me remind you about something that I mentioned at the very uh, start today, and that is a meeting for those that might be interested in helping us week by week clean the facilities here, clean the church. And uh, so if you'd like to help with us doing that, meet back at that back table back there. Wanda will be back there. And... If you need to start before I get back there, she can tell you about what you need to do better than I can. All right, Dr. Fred. Thank you, Father, for the blessings of being in the house of God. 
Thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed us because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for men that heard it and women that have heard it and say, yes, Lord. We know you're coming again. We're living in maybe pre-revelation days. Help us to be strong and standing on the promises of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. This concludes the HBC Weekly Podcast. Please join us every Sunday for our HBC Cyber Service. Hillside Baptist Chapel has moved right next to Chopsticks in Alto Bocchetti. This new location seems perfect for our growing church. The hours will be as follows. Bible study, 9.45 a.m. and worship at 11 a.m. Thank you and God bless.